About a month ago, I was on my front porch in the evening when I noticed the sky starting to turn this wild shade of pink. I found myself really moved by sunrises and sunsets lately. So I was like, ah, I got to get somewhere that I can see this well, which is not my neighborhood. But we live close to the lake, and that's always a great view. So I almost jumped in the car. But then I thought, no, I can bike over. It's close. It'll be less than 10 minutes. I'll even be healthy doing all the good things. So I jump on my bike, and I race over. And the whole way, I'm catching these glimpses of the sky, like enough to tell that it is turning absolutely electric up there, a brighter pink than I think I've ever seen. But I can't actually see because of the houses and the trees until I get to the lake where I ditch the bike, pull out my camera, and I take this picture. Weakest sunset ever. <laughs> because I missed it. I was right, it took me about 10 minutes to get there, which was exactly the time that it took to go from spectacular to meh. And it really did have to have been spectacular because there were people there all chatty with each other and comparing their pictures. But I missed it for 10 dumb minutes and trying to be healthy. Do you ever feel like that in your experience of life with God? I mean, we tell this grand story. We use these big words about how spectacular life is in the kingdom. And maybe you feel like you're doing all the right things, trying to be healthy. But too often you, you look up at the sky of your spiritual life and think, is this it? Like, did I miss it? Is that the spectacular? Sometimes the thing we are describing in here doesn't feel quite like the thing we're living, if we're honest with ourselves. And that's a frequent enough occurrence in normal times. But in my experience, it feels even more acute in turbulent times like these. You know, it feels increasingly like life and this world are, are just too much. We've called this series Live Beyond Yourself, but sometimes it feels like life itself is beyond us doesn't it? I mean, beyond our ability to control, have you felt that at all lately? Beyond our capacity to cope at times, if you've ever felt taken down by a wave or two or 10, sometimes beyond our ability to even understand, I find myself so often lately thinking, what is even going on? Like in great big issues that are swirling around these days, in personal and societal, even existential ways, there's just so much complexity and nuance, difficulty, conflict, and rapidly changing realities. And I hear myself asking, what is going on? And not having the answer. It's beyond me. So what do we tend to do when life feels beyond us? Often we start reaching for things we think will get us through the weak moments, you know, unhealthy ways of coping and self-medicating. What's the food I can binge, the drink I can pour? Is there a drug I can take, a, a shiny object to buy, a vacation to book? Who can I yell at? Where can I run away and hide? It's what I do when I don't know what to do. But those never actually work, so then we think, well, we just need to try harder. Right? Life wouldn't be going this wrong if I were doing enough of the right things. So somehow I need to tap into more rightness. Now, what are the right rules to follow to not offend God? What ritual can I perform to convince him to intervene? Do I have the rightest beliefs? Do I know everything I need to know? What can I do? 
But even with all my rightness routines and even the best of my own resources, hard as I try, I cannot seem to steady life, to, to heal my wounds, to genuinely love others more than myself, to choose trust instead of fear, to live the life that Jesus calls us to. Even the best of me doesn't seem to work. I still can't quite reach it. Life hands us real problems and we need real solutions. And all our words at church sound like our faith is supposed to be the answer. But so often it feels like there's a gap between what life with God sounds like it's supposed to be and what we're actually experiencing. Where is the electric sunset? Am I missing it? In John chapter 4, Jesus encounters a woman at a well who's dealing with a life that doesn't seem to be working on multiple fronts and who's wondering if there is a faith out there that can make any kind of sense of it all. But so far, she's coming up empty. In the story, Jesus asks her for some water, which culturally he shouldn't really do. And when she questions him, he tells her that if she'd just ask him, he could give her living water. In verse 14, he says, anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst again, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Now, the water that Jesus is talking about isn't a liquid that can be drawn from a well with a jar. It's the life-giving, life-sustaining, life-overflowing power of God that wells up from deep inside a person who has a deep connected faith in Jesus. It's the ever-renewing life of God bubbling up and gushing out that both quenches your thirst and waters the world all around, producing even more life. Now that's the spiritual water that Jesus is offering her. Interestingly, he has a similar exchange a few verses later with some of his male disciples who are worried that he might be hungry. He tells them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And once again, he's, he's not talking about sandwiches and snacks that can be brought home from the grocery store. He says, I'm fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. He's talking about the reserves of divine spiritual energy that empower his life, hidden to the human eye. No, he's talking about the way he's nourished by working together with God in this world, about something that sits at the core of who he is, generating life. And that's the power that we're meant to be living out of too. And that's not a life that we can force, fake, or even formulatize from the outside. You know, just like food and water aren't things you can tack on the outside and, and have them do any good. Right? You know that feeling when you're absolutely parched with thirst on a hot summer day, your throat's burning, your mouth's dry, you take a nice cool glass of water and you pour it on your leg. <laughs> right? That doesn't work. Or when you're absolutely famished and you grab that delicious soft sandwich and you just grind it up between your fingers. No, food and water don't work that way. They, they have to be taken right inside of you to do their work. And right inside of us is where that life of Christ is at work and wants to be at work. That life is everything that we're hungry and thirsty and longing for. It's everything that we need. It's a power beyond ourselves that lives within ourselves, there to transform ourselves into the picture of love. 
when we know what that life looks like, because it looks like Jesus, like inexhaustible love, unconquerable hope, absolute peace in the wildest of storms. It's a relentless desire to forgive instead of punish an enemy. It's justice and wisdom and courage and strength. It's a complete inability to see anyone else as an other. It's deep wells of broken-hearted compassion and giant springs of overflowing joy. I mean, the life of Christ is everything that's good and pure and holy and nothing that's not. And that's the thing that sits deep down within you at the center of your soul. And that is the life that we're meant to have increasingly flowing up and out through our veins, healing us, transforming us, and flowing out through us to one another and to the rest of this broken, hungry, thirsty world. But it doesn't work that way if we just try to tack it on from the outside. That's what makes us miss it. Now, God is inviting us to be enveloped into this mystery of the life of Christ within us. And we can actually do this. We can learn to live this way if we're willing to unknow some of the things we think we know in order to better know some deeper things. You know, to learn how to draw from that deeper well. If we can stop thinking that what God wants and so where we should pour our energy into is, is more following the rules and performing the rituals, and defending the rightest beliefs, and instead learn the art of yielding continuously to a love that is beyond us, that flows from the God beyond us, of allowing ourselves to be challenged and undone, emptied and regrown from the inside out. And then we really will find ourselves increasingly living in and through and by a power that is beyond us in a way that makes life inner transformation real. And in a way that enables the life of Jesus to become contagious around us. And the fact that that even happens is such a wild mystery. And the way we tap into that mystery is actually not that mysterious at all. You know, it's simply through learning how to walk day by day and moment by moment in the rhythms and the flow of a practice-based faith. You know, active, engaged, whole body, whole life that increasingly opens us up to a life lived in the presence of God. The spiritual practices are, are simply the acts of relationship with God. They're activities that we engage in that help to open our hearts and minds and spirits up to become more aware of the presence of God, more receptive to God's working within, and more able to embody his love and life outwards. And there are a thousand different activities that could fall under that banner. A hundred different ways to pray, at least. Just like there are a hundred different ways to carry on any conversation. And the point is not the specific details of exactly how you pray. It's, it's about learning to point your attention and your affection towards God, whatever you're doing. You know, to actively pursue the love that's actively pursuing us. Believing that we'll meet God there as we do. And I called it simple, but I didn't say easy. So it does take practice, which is why a number of years ago, we stopped looking at our Sunday services as merely inspiring classrooms where we could learn about God. And instead, you'll hear us talk much more about this being a spiritual gymnasium, a place where we come to full-on engage with God and with each other, you know, to practice building the kind of muscles we need to live the in-spirited life of Christ for real. So when we gather, we don't just want to experience inspiring music and informational teaching. I mean, we genuinely want to encounter the presence of God through those things. 
but also in personal reflections and breath prayers and confession and lament and a hundred other exercises meant to push us outside of our current comfort zones and deeper into our spirits, you know, where we will encounter the spirit of Christ. We practice the presence of God together. That's why Sunday mornings are so crucial to developing a strong and healthy faith because of what we get to do inside this space and for the gift of getting to do it together. We need each other so much more than we realize. But it's also why this one hour that we spend is not nearly enough. Sunday morning shouldn't be the pinnacle of our faith. It's meant to be the springboard into a whole life fully devoted to Christ outside of these walls, which is where most of life and faith actually takes place. And so we work to provide all kinds of resources to help make that easier for you. We have a YouTube channel where you can revisit any of the Sunday morning practices. Every week we create daily exercises connected to the service on Sunday that you can download from our website. Or if you subscribe to the spiritual practice notifications on our app, you'll get them delivered straight to your hand every morning at 7 a.m. We have a web page where you can explore an entire library of practice ideas depending on what your soul needs most in the moment. And there are tons of links to more resources there. This winter and spring, we'll be running a couple of short-term spiritual practice groups where for a number of weeks, you can spend a whole evening experimenting with different ways of connecting with God in the safety and fun of community. You know, it's not about one perfect resource or one magic answer. It's about wrestling together with God in community to figure out how to keep calling yourself more and more to life. And yet there are some things we know about how to do that well. Establishing a regular habit is huge. I mean, consistency has a significant impact on growth. So what's a consistent routine that you could try to engage more deeply? Is it 10 minutes every morning, half an hour in the evening? Your lunch hour, your walk home from school. Maybe it's a couple of hours every Saturday morning. What's a good time and space for you? And figure out the practices that work best for you. And which ones help you personally to connect best with God? When has it clicked before in a way that was meaningful? Can you do more of that? Are there similar practices? There are classic practices that are fantastic for us all. And there's all kinds of creative space to experiment beyond that. And as you participate with us week after week, you'll learn them and practice them, and it will become easier. And now, having said all that, let me also say, don't be afraid to shake up your routine from time to time. Consistency may be king, but but keeping things fresh can also help keep you awake and spark new kinds of life. Maybe you're a morning person who needs to try an evening. Maybe once a month, find half a day to just take off and spend trying to be more attentive to God. Sabbath like you mean it. Plan a full-on retreat. And yes, find your best practices. Lean there the most, but Also know sometimes the practices that are hardest and most uncomfortable for you, the ones you don't want to do, are the ones you need the most to encounter a new depth or perspective of both God and yourself than perhaps you've experienced before. We actually need both ends of that spectrum. 
It's not about finding the perfect practice or the perfect formula. Perfection is not the goal. Krista Hesslink says it well. It says, spiritual practice doesn't make perfect. It makes presence. And presence is everything we're after and everything God's after. You know, to be present to God in the midst of life and to let God be present to us in whatever we're going through. That's the sweet spot. So whatever most consistently brings the two of those together. My good friend Lori Macchio has had a bit of experience experimenting with this, so we wanted to share her story with you. There's a house around the corner from ours. It's exactly the same. I've been in it, and it's a bit weird. Every room is in the same spot, the same size. Maybe you live in a cookie-cutter kind of neighborhood, too, where so many houses are exactly the same. Or maybe the apartment above yours has the exact same layout. You might know what I mean. I used to think that my faith was also like that house around the corner, meant to be exactly the same. And I knew exactly how it was to be practiced. Church, twice on Sundays, praying before every meal, even in restaurants, and reading your Bible and praying every day. Now, I'm a pretty good rule follower, so as best I could, as often as I could, I prayed and read my Bible. Even when it was boring, I did it, because that's how you were supposed to be a Christian. But the great news is, is that faith is a journey, and my faith is constantly evolving. I think I started realizing that it could be so much more when we began incorporating spiritual practices into our Sunday morning services. The idea of creating a spiritual gymnasium really resonated with me. I could see I was being handed exercises that I could try on my own throughout the week. I started slowly, every now and then incorporating maybe a breath prayer or a meditation in addition to reading my Bible and saying a cursory prayer. As more options became available to me, I started realizing that there were so many interesting and exciting ways to experience a life with God. I love a good routine, and I think it is so helpful in creating positive habits but I also crave variety. So I started listing the days of the week in a journal, and next to each day, I would write down spiritual practices that I would try that day. I hate journaling. Just to be clear, journaling is not a thing I ever do. I just use a journal, like a blank notebook, but I don't actually really write in it. I use it to make lists. Some of those practices I do every day. For example, I have a list of positive affirmations about who I am because of who Jesus is. And I say those to myself every day. I also read a part of the Bible or watch a Bible study video from Right Now Media. I always list the Lord's Prayer, but for the sake of variety, I give it a different focus like family, friends, or Southridge. Other practices change daily. There might be a posture prayer on Monday, followed by a meditation, and then the next day reading the Apostles' Creed or saying a scripted prayer. Some parts of my routine are different every day, and when I sit down in the morning to have some dedicated time with God, I actually say, what do I get to do today with God? 
Lest you think I'm all that and a bag of chips, let me tell you, just because it's written down in my journal and some routine that I'm supposed to be following doesn't mean that it always gets followed. Sometimes life gets in the way. What's cool is the way I have learned to take what I'm learning on a Sunday morning and make it my own throughout the week. When work was really uncertain and challenging last year, I created a meditation to say daily, God, show me how to make a difference in my school today, first in the lives of staff and students, then in education. A few months later, I made a similar meditation that I now say for my family. As a very work-driven person, I had historically been very tunnel-visioned at work. But now, because I regularly practice linking breath and prayer, I find myself praying more often as I take deep breaths throughout the day. I will often end a yoga workout with prayers as I lay on a mat or take a walk through the neighborhood to spend some time listening to God. While I in no way have this figured out, I am certain that in the face of great uncertainty, I actually feel more peace. In times of joy, I'm more apt to be thankful. And when times are tough, I can love better. If you were to come into our house, you would see photography in most rooms. We even have an entire wall covered in probably 700 photographs, and that's not an exaggeration. And yes, it takes a really long time to hang up 700 photographs. And yes, permanent double-sided tape does not work. Our house is a true representation of our family. The thing about that house around the corner is that it's actually really different from ours. The paint is different, they have different furniture in different places and not nearly the same amount of photographs. But their house is a reflection of their family as ours is a reflection of ours. That's what my spiritual practices are like. They are a reflection of me, my unique personality and my unique relationship with God. Taking time and putting an effort to really make it my own has made all the difference in helping me connect with God in deep and meaningful ways. And I am better for it. Lori continues to inspire and challenge me. So if I could take you back to my missing the sunset tragedy to wrap up. Another thought occurred to me later that night. Like, did I miss it? Or not really? I caught the glimpses. I saw that pink. I was under that sky. I just didn't see it like it could have been seen. But it was there and I was a part of it. You know, we don't bring God in or out of anything or any moment. We bring our awareness in or out. You can't lose him. He is everywhere all the time, holding you in perpetual love every second of every day. Wouldn't you rather be seeing it? experiencing that more? I want to. I want to train my eyes to open wider. I want to learn how to live out of deep places, how to better embody this life and love of Jesus that courses through our veins until it becomes contagious. What if starting with just 10 minutes a day, 
to not jump on your bike and miss the sunset, but to turn your attention and your affection more fully towards God? What if that could radically alter the world you see, the God you know, and the life you experience? What could 20 minutes do or 30? I think we can catch more than glimpses. I really do. And it won't ever be perfect, and it may even come and go in seasons. But the more we continue to develop the muscles to tap into and then live out of the life of Christ within, your world will be more filled with mind-blowing sunsets than you ever thought possible. And life transformation will happen. And when life transformation happens, world transformation happens with and by and through a power that is both within and beyond you. So God, we just pray that you would continue to open us up more and more. Would you train our eyes to see you? Would you help us soften our hearts to receive you? Would you help our bodies to be filled with your light, your love, your courage, your hope in this world? May we be transformed by you more and more and more every day together as a community in a way that continues to spark more light in this entire world. You are a good God and we love you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.